Welcome to the Huntley Baptist Church Podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. Amen. It was good to have a stand up, wasn't it? <clears throat> but that wasn't it. Awesome. Just hearing from Sarah this morning. Bless you, Sarah. Thank you for sharing your heart and your story. And we've all got a story, haven't we? Um, and uh, this is what this uh, month's all about, where God leads us and where we're going, where we've come from. Let's not look back. You know, let's, let's let the past be the past and expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. That's the theme of this week's uh, Prayer and Self-Denial. It's also the title of my message. Expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. Amen? Got your ears on? (laughs) Daniel 11 verse 32 says, But the people who know their God will display strength and take action. The King James Version says, And will do exploits. So the people who know their God will display strength and do exploits. Great exploits. William Carey said, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. He was right like the father of missions. Hudson Taylor, who went to, to China, said, unless there is the element of extreme risk in our exploits for God, there is no need for faith. Your blessings lay beyond your fear, says Sharon Elder. Or Shannon Elder, sorry. I heard a speaker once say, if your vision doesn't scare you, you need a bigger vision. (laughs) Paul writes in Ephesians 3, verse 20 and 21, Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church. And in Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. Amen. It's an awesome verse we're going to come back to at the end. Well, we've sung a few songs this morning about faith. uh, Because faith is an essential requirement if we expect power from above to achieve great things for God. You know, all these great faith statements I've just read uh, point to the fact that there are really two very important factors in play when it comes to any great work. Firstly, there's the God factor. There's the God factor. He gives those who seek him dreams, visions, and plans, but it's his work. And he can use whatever means, and sometimes he chooses the most unlikely person or people to get the job done. That's the thing about God. He can use anything to achieve his purposes. Zechariah 4 verse 6 says, It's not by might or by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Ultimately, he will achieve his purposes despite the obstacles that we might encounter and the frailty 
and the failures of his servants, that's us. He doesn't actually need us, but rather he chooses to partner with us because he's an equipper. Isn't that awesome? He chooses to enter partnership with us to do his work because he's an equipper, the giver of every good thing, as Jeremy said, and the true source of creativity, dreams, and plans. You know, God's vision is essentially to grow us as he achieves his purposes, to get the job done. We've got a saying here, we want to use jobs to get the people done. <laughs> and uh, it's working quite well. <laughs> so with that in mind, the second factor is that, is the us factor really, but it's that every God-centered idea will require faith. It's the, it's the economy of heaven. Faith is the economy of heaven, you see. It's faith on our part. In order for there to be any eternal change or impact, if we want an eternal impact, we need faith. Amen? God rewards faith. The Hebrews 11 verse 6, Dave. <laughs> God is the rewarder of faith. And he honors those who seek him with a whole heart. You see, God loves passion and courage within his people. Especially if you've, you know, known defeat or heartache. It's even more special to him when you're passionate and courageous. And sometimes he sows the vision and then he works on our character. We're not actually quite ready to, to carry out the vision just yet. But he sows it anyway as, a, as an incentive to, to make us strive to keep going forwards. And then he works on our character, testing our patience, and he weaves into us humble surrender. Only then are we ready to achieve great things. About four years after we moved to Huntley, uh, it was suggested that we hold an outreach at the church we were attending at the time. Um, I was asked to join a little sort of brainstorming group. And an older man, uh, who had, um, he'd warmly welcomed us into the area, um, came out with this statement. He said, I, I feel like we've tried all these ideas before with not much success. It sort of kind of put a real downer on the group's ideas. But sadly, a few weeks later, he died. And the outreach was a, a good, good, good one. It was a real success. But the Lord took him home before it all happened. And a thought crossed my mind. He was now better off and was just being honest. But was it a test of passion? When we lose our passion, you know, what, what is there again for us? Aaron has a saying, don't let the fire go out. While you're gathering sticks, don't let the fire go out while you're gathering sticks. And you know, some people say, well, I'm, I'm just a nothing. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't do that. Uh, I'm too this or I'm too that. I'm just despicable. 
You know, I'm a sinner, I'm a, I'm a despicable. Yes, we all were, but we're not now once we've, we've asked Jesus into our life. He chooses to partner with us. And he says, you're a conqueror. He says, you're a son and a daughter of the living God. You're a blood-bought child of the living God. And he chooses to partner with us. We were those things, but we're not anymore. So let's turn to Matthew 4 and read how Jesus equipped himself for ministry. Because when it comes to obedience and faith and partnering with God, there is none like Jesus. Amen. Jesus expected great things and he achieved great things by the power of the Holy Spirit, but not until he had counted a great test here in Matthew 4. So let's just read this uh, right through to verse 11. Um, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you're the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It's written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by, on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him into the holy city and he stood him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you're the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it's written, He will give his angels charge concerning you, and on their hands they will, will bear you up. Jesus said to him, On the other hand, it's written, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things will I give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and began to minister to him. You say, well, what's this got to do with our, about achieving great things? Well, sometimes we have to go through a test first. Sometimes God tests us. He tests our passion. He tests our courage and he tests our faith. Now that, uh, now, you know, that's, that's how Jesus did it. And sometimes we've heard in this church before that the way up is the way down. You know, this isn't like the world's recipe for success. This is Jesus' recipe for su success. He says, come and die. Jesus didn't strap on a sword. He didn't promote himself or defend himself. He didn't rely on title or money, but he knew the, his Father God intimately, and he knew his word when it mattered most. There is an enemy of God whose major tactic is to get us to take our eyes off Jesus. And if that fails, he tries to keep us away from God's word. And if that fails, he tries to stop us from telling others about Jesus. And if that fails, he tries to wreck relationships within the church. So let's unpack the three things that he tries on Jesus at Jesus' most weakest point physically. Forty days and nights without food. Well, number one, 
Um, we find in verse 3, Satan tries to offer satisfaction without God. He says, come on, satisfy your craving here. Turn these stones into bread. And Jesus saw right through and turns it into a lesson on being satisfied with God's word instead. So what are you struggling with today? What are you struggling with today? God's word is the antidote for whatever your struggle is in God. Number two, in verse six, we see that Satan tries to offer significance without God. You know, part of being human is a sense of inadequacy at times. And we all feel it. We all go through that. The feeling that we're not enough. We're not good enough. We're not up to the task. You know, despite efforts to disguise it by putting on a brave or an unreal appearance, many struggle with a sense of insignificance. Maybe we feel like, it, like time's ticking and, and we want to achieve something great or to be someone that we're not. Jesus wasn't fooled by the temptation to be Superman and leap from a tall building in the natural. And he uses scripture again to keep focused on God's calling for his life. He just, he's, he's about going back to scripture. Are you ever swayed by the crowd or even well-meaning friends? To go for the easy option. You know, it's so easy, isn't it? To go with the crowd while knowing in your heart that it's not the way of the cross. See, the true followers of Jesus know their values not in who they are or appear to be, but in living out obediently whose they are. I remember uh, when I was just very young, my cousin was a little bit older than me. And I was really impressed and amazed that my cousin sang a hymn as an item at a young farmer's concert. <laughs> now, if you've ever been to a young farmer's concert, some of the items are not so scriptural. <laughs> Putting it mildly. Are you, you know, the hymn that he sang, the hymn that my cousin chose to sing was I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I thought that was so brave. And I think verse 2 says something about fame and fortune and popularity or something. I'm not, I didn't look it up. But are you prepared to be a Jesus freak at work or socially? Uh, thankfully, my cousin was actually singer <laughs> you know sometimes we're not significant because we're actually unwise <laughs> sometimes we're a bit flaky and and we're un, unpopular or not significant in, in 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 reaching our friends you know because the world can quite easily spot a fake but number three verse nine satan tried to get jesus to have success without god and he said to him, all these things will I give you if you fall down and worship me. Man, where would we be if in the heat of the moment, Jesus had said, okay, you win. I'll do it. Where would we be? Where would we be now? Where will our children 
and our children's children be if we compromise? If we compromise our stand and we think worldly success is more important than doing God's work, and maybe we need to redefine success based on God's measurement of success, not man's. I think I've told this story before, but I had a real estate agent sit on my couch and say, well, if you're going to make, make success out of this business, you've got to put 110, 120% into it. I've told my partner, it's my work first, then my kids, then my workout, and then you. And in one of, it was one of those moments God gave me the word. I said, oh, maybe you need to redefine success. He went a bit quiet. Are you tempted to have satisfaction without God? Just to satisfy those cravings, those addictions. Are you tempted to have significance without God? And are you tempted to have success without God? If you've answered yes, then that's an honest place to start rebuilding your faith in Christ. Christ remained faithful to the call amidst great opposition. Christ remained faithful. He's our rock. He's our example. Our call is a great starting place to expecting great things from God and achieving great things in and for God. And perhaps we also need to redefine the word great. Great can mean raising godly children. Great can mean serving another person's vision. Great can mean faithfully putting out the chairs. Great can mean um, chairing a local community committee. Great can mean visiting the sick, the, uh, the lonely, the elderly, or the prisoner. Great can mean being an equipper, a sender, or a goer in mission. You know, whatever we believe our calling is, let's take God-inspired risks and live by faith and not just do the same old, same old. Don't do the chairs with that same old, same old attitude. We're going to probably need some vacuum cleaning people after we've had lemmingtons for morning tea. <laughs> so we'll look for some volunteers. But don't just do it with that same old, same old attitude. You know... <laughs> We've got Bex in the office, and you know, she sings as she works. Isn't that awesome? She's doing spiritual warfare around the place. She's not just an office worker. She's claiming this place for God. She's singing and praying as she works. Isn't that awesome? Don't just do it out of routine. Don't just do what you do because you, you want to look good or feel good or please somebody. Do it for God. Do it with faith. Take risks. That's what today's message is all about. It's going to be spelt R-I-S-K when we step out for God. Perhaps we believe our calling, uh, sort of wherever we, sorry, wherever we believe our calling is, let's take God-inspired risks and live by faith. Not just do it out of routine. Wherever um, we... Against, sorry, around all these things, we need prayer. Amen.
Around it all, over it all, under it all, we need prayer covering and prayer warriors. Come on Thursday night, it's great. We serve a great God, it's his work, but for some reason he wants to partner with us. Welcome back, Jeremiah. <laughs> We're just about there, mate. <laughs> I know you've had a tough night there. Um, but, but he wants to partner with us. It's his work, but he wants to partner with us. What a privilege. What a saviour. I just, is there time? Yeah, it's time. I just want to finish up with, uh, if it was the pictures, it would only be half time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just want to finish up by speaking about King Edward VI. And uh, King Edward VI was the only son of King Henry VIII, who was rather famous. King Edward VI lay on his deathbed with tuberculosis in addition to syphilis. And he died on July 6, 1553. And thinking he was alone in his room, he prayed this prayer, which was written down by someone else. Lord God, deliver me out of this miserable and wretched life and take me amongst thy chosen. How be it, don't you love the old English? How be it, not my will, but thy will be done. Sound familiar? Lord, I commit my spirit to thee. O Lord, thou knowest how happy it were for me to be with thee, yet for thy chosen sake send me life and health, that I may truly serve thee. O my Lord God, bless thy people and save thine inheritance. O Lord God, save thy chosen people of England. O my Lord God, defend this realm and maintain thy true religion, that I and my people may praise thy holy name for thy Son, Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. What a prayer, eh? What a God-centered prayer for a young man who had seen England um, be, be restored to faith. Many had flooded back to England under his reign. The prayer book had been updated and and, um, and he had seen great changes in, uh, in the church. He was 15 years old when he died. He only reigned six years. Isn't that amazing? How awesome was our scripture at the start for those who truly trust God. And I want I just leave this challenge with you. Maybe this could be your prayer today. The prayer of Paul in Ephesians 3, 20, 21. I want to finish up with this. Now to him who's able to do exceeding abundantly, if that's you, claim it beyond all that we ask or think. It's going to take a bit of a stretch of thinking and our vision needs to get bigger according to the power that works within us. We can't do it on our own. We're partnering with God. To him be the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. That's a long time, forever and ever, isn't it? Can we actually get our head around that? Not in these bodies, I don't think. 
but forever and ever. Isn't it worth it? What we're doing is kingdom work. It's worth it. It's worth it every moment. Amen. Father, thank you for this word. Thank you that you achieve greatness by humbly submitting your life to the Father. Help us to do the same. Help us to know that the way up is the way down. Lord, that we are to overcome those obstacles in Jesus' name and through your, your holy scriptures, knowing them, getting them into our heart, claiming them and speaking them out wisely amongst the people. And God, I just pray we'd make an eternal impact in this life like young King Edward at 15, saying, not my will, but yours be done. And just take us forward now for however long you want. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that it has been an encouragement to you. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com.